Hello, I'm a Jittery Howard, and welcome to the Friday Show, the show that can't even make a joke about Manchester United. A city are playing him this weekend and were too superstitious to say a word. We've got a lucky socks on though, and the specific aftershave worn on away days. Yep, it's Derby weekend, and we will of course be previewing that, and as always looking back, this time at the midweek Champions League victory at the stadium that cannot be named. Oh, okay, Will. From the Wagdorf Stadium to the Stadium of... No, we're far too mature for that. Uh, to discuss an important week, delighted to be joined by two glory-hunting youngsters. It's Lloyd and George. Good afternoon, Lloyd. How are you? Afternoon. Am I still a youngster, Howard? Y- yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's all okay. relative, so... Well, I think I'd be described as a getting on as a footballer now, but, uh, <laughs> you know, they have very short careers, I guess. Have you ever had gout? <laughs> Thankfully not. I mean, you're the resident gout expert <laughs> yeah. on this podcast. Right. Well, you're a youngster then, so yeah. How are you anyway? Had a good week? Yeah, all good. I've got a slightly ill cat that I've been looking after this week. Um, but other than that, I am fine. How's the cat doing then? It's got cystitis uh, and it's getting stressed by some foxes getting about in our garden. So. Oh dear. So yeah, but no, he's, he's recovering. Oh, good. Good to hear. As you say, Sans cat must be a, a week for ill Bad cats, week for cats, eh? <laughs> yeah, bad. Yeah, good one for foxes, it seems. <laughs> uh, <laughs> good afternoon, George. How are you? Good afternoon, Howard. I, I'm good, thank you. Gout free, and uh, I'm looking forward <laughs> to the weekend. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It must be my port addiction that's got me all this gout. So, uh, <laughs> how, how was your it's week? A lot of French as well? cheese, mate. Yeah, it is that French cheese, yeah. <laughs> or the cheddar, the cheese on toast after a match I always have. So how's your week been, George? Yeah, it's been it's been good. Um back end of a cold, so that that did me dirty, yeah. Uh, last weekend Take- and st- the start of the week. So um so the last few days started feeling myself again, just in time to feel awful again uh, on Sunday of a last minute Bruno Fernandez uh, winner that should be classed as offside. Um, Thanks for that, George. <laughs> I was doing well until that moment. So, well, we might as well jump into it and stick with you. Uh, how are the nerves now on the Friday? Are you even nervous at all? Are they what they once were? I have to say, for this one, I'm I'm probably not as nervous as I would have been in previous seasons. Probably on the back of that, the build up to the FA Cup final um, Ugh, back in the yeah. last season. Like the anxiety that induced and all the intrusive thoughts of what if United are the ones to stop us and how you know you wouldn't hear the end of it forever and it w- it would just been would have been awful and the build up for that was so tense and filled with stress that kind of I'm I come at this derby from a very a much more content angle than I usually would do. Yeah. Lloyd, what about you? On the, uh, Steve insisted on the review yesterday asking me how I felt about Derby Day. I thought I could have avoided it until today. And I did say, it's not what it once was, because it used to be everything, but we've got bigger fish to fry nowadays. Not only do we have other rivals, rivals that some will say we've uh, manufactured, but rivals for trophies and stuff, that it's not. It's far away. Not, Derby Day will always be different to anything. You know, like playing Liverpool or Arsenal or Chelsea, but there are other huge games that it's kind of diluted, and it's just not everything anymore. It's about winning trophies, so this is the bigger thing. Is that how you feel, or do you get as nervous on Derby Day as you as you always used to? 
Yeah, I know, I know what you mean. It's not like a determinative game for the title, is it? Where, you know, like when we've played Liverpool or, you know, the Arsenal games mm. last season, they're just not going to be in the hunt. It's more the derby, as in bragging rights and just beating our biggest kind of historical and geographical rival um, and being able to tell your mates to fuck off on Monday, who are United fans. <laughs> um Sorry, first 15 minutes and I've blown the basket there. Um, <laughs> it's all right. It's a Friday show. It's uh, yeah. There's no samples for this one. So. That's true. That's true. Um, and it's Derby week. So yeah, any language is allowed. Particularly when describing those lot. Um, <laughs> I don't, I mean, I, I'm more the, on the ASAN side than the Howard side when it comes to nerves. I've never been that nervous uh, for United games. I mean, the, there have been games in the past when when they have been title rivals where I've been a bit more nervous. But, I mean, the, the reality is they are absolutely toilet at the moment. And, you know, even against Sheffield United and uh, the other night, midweek, they were, they were terrible in both games. I think Maguire was pretty much man of the match in both, which tells you all you need to know. Um, so everything points towards, you know, if I think if City turn up, United are in big trouble. The, the The problem is obviously they've got a pretty good record uh, in the last few years against us. They do just, they can just turn up in one-off games. Um, but they're just, they're just so lacking in kind of cohesion and uh, mm-hmm. they just don't look like a well-coached team at the moment, which given wow. it's Ten Hag's second year is just, is a bit, is a bit mental. And I do think yeah. it's why the pressure is ramping up on him. Well, we're obviously going to get to that. <laughs> I'm sure we'll come round to that again, that very specific point about, well, we should win this. And that'll be in the second half of the show. Just to finish off on the nerves thing, it's not only that we've had so much else to get nervous about over the last 10 years, as so much has happened, or like 13 years now. Uh, yeah, from like 2010 when it really started ramping up. and But we've actually had such huge matches involving United as well from the FA Cup semi-final to that league match that we played against them, to the QPR match that, of course, was relevant to United, all the way to, well, we could have won the league against them, still one of the games that's made Mm. me the most angry in the last 15 years, all the way to the FA Cup final. We've had so many big games specifically against them that it's like a bog-standard derby day kind of uh, pales into insignificance. And yeah, it'll be annoyed, but as much of it is about getting three points. But hey... We'll get to the derby in, uh, in due time on this show. So just first, uh, let's look back at the Champions League, but very quickly, uh, some new fixtures, just a couple of minutes, I think it's worth chatting about. George, I'm going to start with you. Some new fixtures came out and there was one that had been, didn't surprise anyone because there'd been rumours about it anyway, that Chelsea would be playing Wolves away on Christmas Eve. Now we're all kind of used as fans now, aren't we, to being messed about. But is this just another nail in the coffin, really, towards fans being an afterthought? Because I can't remember how long it is, like 28 years or 38 years or whatever, since there's been a game on Christmas Eve. And it's just another example, isn't it, that fans are literally an afterthought when deciding these these fixtures on TV. Definitely. Um, I don't think anybody's been crying out for a, for a game on Christmas Eve. I certainly have not been part of a conversation where I've Heard anybody say that? Um, and across across the festive period, there's so much football already, and everybody loves Boxing Day for the fact you know the footy's on all day, and there's there's that part of it, there's that element there, and the, already in the festive period. So to put a game on Christmas Eve, um, especially a game 
which is they're not it's not they're not very close with Chelsea and uh, West London and Wolverhampton. So if they put two London sides, it maybe was, would have been a bit more palatable. But um, I think the fact that they're fairly a fair distance away and there's just no there's been no no clamour for it. I just can't wrap my head around it. And it's definitely just another stab in the back for the fans. And I think City have been caught a bit in the festive their fixture schedule as well with the Everton away quarter past eight kickoff on the 27th it's just yeah frustrating yeah although we'll probably we'll be in Saudi Arabia won't it so it's kind of helpful but not for fans but more for the team so Lloyd what's your thoughts on it? I mean I said what can fans do and nothing really is the the I'm not sure if if you boycott a match like this as an away fan, it makes no difference it'd happen again. But there's a club responsibility here as well, surely, when they sign these deals. Yeah, I mean, the, the fans basically have no power here, do they? Um, you know, they've not got a seat at the table. And yeah, it's up to the clubs to say, you know, that's not something we agree with. Um, but obviously the clubs have waved through all of these kind of moves in the past. You know, we've now got Saturday games, you know, Friday night games, Monday games. You know, this is just like the latest, which is, which is, let's be honest, it's a total piss take to have a game, I think, on Christmas Eve, particularly because it's actually now meant that Chelsea don't have a Boxing Day fixture anymore, um, which is obviously like part of the tradition um, mm. of, you know, English football. Um and Dan, my mate, who's been on this podcast a couple of times to talk Chelsea, I mean, you know, he's livid. Um, and, um, you know, he's someone that might have actually gone to that game, but he was like, well, <laughs> I'm not going to go to Wolverhampton on Christmas Eve and then come back down. It's just a, you know, it's just a nightmare um, for obvious reasons. So I guess the only thing the fans could do is boycott. But like you say, because it's an away fans thing, I mean, Arguably, Chelsea would be at a detriment um, from a footballing perspective if they had no fans there. It would be a totally partisan atmosphere at, at Molyneux. So, yeah, it's tricky, um, but it, it is a piss take, without doubt. Yeah, and some, some will always go, as is their right. So you can't totally boycott something collectively. It's impossible. The logistics are impossible. And ultimately, the, would the clubs or the TV companies care? Uh, yeah. Fans need well, more of a voice. Look how City's boycott went. Um, you know, for the uh, for the game at Wembley, uh, we basically still sold out anyway. So <laughs> even if you yeah. organise one, it can people will obviously just well, um, it, it moved it an decision. hour, didn't it? But yeah, it didn't move it a day. So um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, a shame. Anyway, right. It, I mean, Sunday night. There'll be Sunday night fixtures soon as well. So. It's increasingly becoming a sport for TV and not for the and not revolving around the, f- the fans that go. So, and it can be both, you know, uh, rather than be divisive. So anyway, let's look back and anyway, we move on. We've got a lot to discuss. George, I'll start with you and the Champions League midweek. Uh, me and Asan did a preview for this match, and I never suspected Pep was going to make huge changes, but I expected he might make a few. Then we saw the team and he did make a few, but Roger was in there and some players were arrested. And the, yeah, I think Asan was not happy about Roger uh, playing. But what did you think? Were you surprised at the strength of the team? Were you surprised at certain players who played? Or were you quite happy with the balance that Pep got with that lineup? I was surprised with the inclusion of Rodri, first and foremost. 
uh, on an artificial pitch, you know, which is in the past Luke Shaw's said is very dangerous when he played there, playing for United, and a few of the players have said that. And so surprised, are what's you know one of our most, if not our most important player was was named in a lineup which he didn't really need to be in. But I suppose that's we've seen that pattern where. I think fan and fan logic and spectator logic doesn't always line up with what Pep's thinking. And in the group stages of the Champions League, he, he un, unless we're all definitely qualified, he rarely plays what you would call a fully weakened side. He'll rotate players, but he'll always make sure it's a very, very strong side capable of competing against anyone, let alone a team like Young Boys. So Rodri's inclusion was a surprise. Haaland from the start, I thought, I thought it would be Alvarez starting and then maybe Haaland coming on but I'm not sure if the fact that Haaland loves that loves the Champions League as a competition he's very outspoken about it maybe that plays a factor maybe he's chasing goal records and maybe he's in Pep's ear we don't know these things not that I think Pep would probably be swayed by that but those are all factors hmm. you've got to consider as well but um, yeah, I was I was happy I was happy with the with the balance of the team, but it's just I was just a bit on tenterhooks watching Rodri out there for the especially when he went down um, <laughs> for the penalty, the penalty incident. I was I wasn't even bothered about getting a penalty at that point. I was more <laughs> fearful of of him being injured in that moment, which uh, says it all. Really, I said exactly the same in the post. Like. I- I was like, yeah, mate was talking about it's a penalty. I was like, I don't care about that, Rodri. Rodri, just get up, get up, Rodri. It's like then, we'll yeah, just, exactly. then we'll worry about the penalty. So, Lloyd, I mean, in a way, it was obvious. Are we over? Are we over egging the plastic pitch thing? Because Rodri didn't need a rest. He's he's been suspended, of course, for three matches. And more to the point, Pep's not viewing this game the same as us with a derby on the horizon. It's the third game of a Champions League group, but he's taking it as seriously as the first two, I imagine. Yeah, he is, and that's Guardiola's right. And actually, you know, that's been his position consistently throughout his time at City when it comes to the um, kind of early-ish group stage fixtures. Um, and, you know, you can't say... It's not worked for him. I think City have progressed from the from the groups to the knockouts every single season that Pep's been here. Um, his record in that respect is phenomenal. Um, on the plastic pitch thing, I actually don't think it's being over-egged. And the reason that is, is the the amount that the players and the managers talk about it. I, I, you know, they know better than we do. And I think, you know, for them to make the point um, as kind of vehemently as as they have I think that shows that actually it is a big factor otherwise I don't think they'd make a meal out of it for no reason particularly prior to the match it's you know it's the kind of thing that if you lose you can imagine Klopp going oh god the plastic pitch was a real concern today um Mm. but I think you know when 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 there's discourse prior to the game yeah I think you take that at face value um in terms of the team I actually wasn't that surprised that Rodri played, to be honest. I thought, given the fact that he's he had his rest because of um, his red card and he obviously had his little holiday as well, I thought there was probably a decent chance that Rodri did play just to get us over the line, three points, and the group's basically done. Um, and that's what we saw. And Haaland, kind of the same. Um, you know, he doesn't do that much running up front um, compared to a lot of the other players. I think on average he runs about half as much in mm. kilometres as, as the kind of midfielders and more attacking players. So, again, I kind of understood that. Um, and really we needed to kind of... Tr- we're trying to get him into some form at the moment, aren't we? And 
he popped up with two goals, and I think he'll, he's all the better for that. So I think you could you could yeah. definitely argue that the the decision has turned out to be a good one. John Stones was the one who didn't want anywhere near the pitch. So maybe Rodri as well, but John Stones did it because yeah, obviously he's a guy with an injury record, coming back from injury, not playing ninety minutes, plastic pitch, need him, really wanted to stay fit. Uh, that was the one I was just like glad he didn't make it right before we dig down I'm just going to go for the general question George how did you rate that performance did you think overall when you at the end of it do you think that was a really professional performance by City or did you think well we sh- is it a bad thing that we should have scored eight and didn't uh, that they had a an air, you know a little period of dominance in the second half that we conceded again? How did you feel when that full time whistle went? All in all, I was I was very content. I I wasn't looking for a performance from the ages, and, and although the opposition obviously is probably the one of the the the, the weaker sides in the Champions League, I think. It's a side that's used to playing on on that pitch week in week out, so they have a they have a little advantage over us there. Whereas City, you know, obviously play exclusively on grass, train on grass, um, so they have a little advantage there. They're all to play at the top level in any European league. You've got to be a terrific athlete, which they all are, which they all were for young boys. But the real um, the real differential came was was of the quality on the ball, and they just didn't have it they, they had players getting in great spaces um, there was always a, a player kind of on the left wing free for them at moments but they could just never find him so we were quite lucky in that aspect um, but I, w- I was very happy with how we played I, I was you know we were missing uh, missed a few chances but that's kind of the story of our season so far we have been missing a lot of chances but um, I think that's not necessarily a bad thing the bad thing is when you're having creating no chances at all because as we've seen, Harlem will miss a few chances for a few games and then suddenly he'll pop up with a few goals. So as long as you're creating chances, that's the main thing. And we were. And I think it was a great game to see Jack Grealish, especially in the first half, uh, being very positive, dropping his shoulder a bit more and taking the great game by the scruff of the neck, which is kind of everybody's been wanting to see for a while. And his biggest critics have always called him out on that. And I mm. think... It's very important that um, he is looked that sharp and seems to hopefully be finding his way to his 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 best uh, his best form because as we approach the winter, the schedule just goes crazy and we will we will need him massively during that period. Lloyd talked about creativity issues, perhaps in the Premier League for the preview for this game. I read a stat and it was off up to, I think, so must be right, that we had 55 shots in the first two Champions League games. I think we had 26 in this. Mm. That's headed towards 80 shots across three Champions League games. I don't know if it's right, but we've obviously had loads and loads of shots. It is right. And, uh, it, all right, and it's the opposite, really, of the creativity issue. It's wastefulness in this. Any concern to you or we're just easing our way through the first half of the season and the fact we're creating the chances is probably more important than the fact... We're wasting a lot of them. Definitely. Yeah, and it actually it's in contrast with some of our Premier League games, isn't it, this season? Um, yeah. You know, there's obviously been quite a few people on, you know, on Twitter this week kind of putting out that City's XG and like number of shots and dominance um, from an attacking perspective is, is you know, down this season on... Well, it, on it was under one. Seasons. It was under one for the last three league games, so... 
Well, there you go, exactly. So, um, so no, it's not concerned to me, actually. I think the fact that we've shown that kind of level of creativity and, you know, the chances we've created in, in the Champions League is positive because the way that City are, and, um, you know, the way that Haaland will just click into gear, it's not long before, you know, the, the two ones turn into four ones, um, I think. Um, so, no, that's that's very positive. I actually didn't manage to watch the game live um, the other night, but I have watched some very extended highlights to try and give myself the best view as possible. And I, th- I following what George says, I, I do think the kind of most noticeable thing to me from the game was Grealish's performance. Um, mm. He was very, he looked very good. You know, he did all the kind of safe stuff that Pep wanted, but the big change was that he really did attack his man and kind of take a lot of risks um, in a way that he hasn't like really this season. So I think that bodes well. He'll obviously be very aware, you know, more aware than anyone else of, of Doku and what Doku's done this season. Uh, and that will have put the fire up his arse. So no, I thought that was good. And his pass to Doku before Doku slipped was was a beautiful little kind of ball. Yeah, uh, just staying with briefly, Lloyd. That I, no teams park the bus during the Champions League, which may explain this dichotomy between XGs in Champions League and League. So, in a way, it's increased. Obviously, with the holders now, but it's increasingly becoming a competition that suits City because teams will always come out to play, won't they? Yeah, you, they will, and. You know, we've not seen lots of park buses, that is right. But I would flip that kind of on its head in a way, though. I mean, look at look at the Brighton and the Arsenal games. They didn't park the bus. They both mm. massively came out against City. And actually, the reason that those two teams had quite a lot of success, I would say, against us is, is how aggressive and how good their pressing was. I think City struggled in both games to kind of progress the ball in ways where we really kind of assert that dominance. And if you think back to the the two Arsenal games last season, that was, you know, they're the perfect examples of how we managed to get around Arsenal's press and we managed to get in both games De Bruyne massively into the game and kind of travel through the thirds easily, get your get the ball to your Bernardos, etc. So yeah, I think, you know, I would I would point to those Premier League games because yeah, Wolves part of the bus, but I really wouldn't say that uh, Brighton and Arsenal didn't actually. Those were the games that we probably struggled in. And another stat, George, that kind of contradicts reality in a way is, and I've mentioned it about 80 times this so far this season, but the number keeps going up. We've conceded more than one goal just once in about 47 games now, and that's the Wolves game where they had one shot on target. It was zero. Before Wolves, it was zero in 45, leading back to the 4-2 win over Spurs. And yet we keep conceding. Obviously, we've won every game in the Champions League three-one. Are you concerned about the lack of clean sheets, or is the fact that we rare, very, 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 very rarely concede more than a single goal in a game means it doesn't really matter? It is strange compared to you know previous seasons where we've gone through periods of not conceding any goals across a few games, and mm. this season obviously constantly conceding. And I, and I probably would usually be worried about it if not for the fact that it seems no team in either the Premier League or or the Champions League is is seems airtight at the at the back and across the Premier League especially this season the the, the clean sheets must be at an all time low for this period of the season 
Um, I think maybe Newcastle and have the best record or Liverpool. I'm not too sure off the top of my head, but it's it's something that we started with three as well. I think Edison. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Exactly. It's um. So yeah, I'm not I'm not overly worried about it at the moment. It's if you start conceding, like say multiples, that's that's when the issue. But the odd one, as as long as you win, it's it doesn't concern me too much at this stage of the season. Whilst we're still figuring a lot of stuff out, whilst we're still learning to play without Gundo and Mares and these kind of stalwarts of previous campaigns, and I think as long as by January, February, we're starting to then hopefully get in patterns of picking up a few more clean sheets. And then, yeah, for now, I'm not so worried. It's probably later on in the season that that the alarm bells will start to to um, sound if we're constantly conceding goals. And George, staying with you as well, I found it, I was a bit frustrated when they had a little period in the second half, but are we getting a bit spoiled as fans? To, if an opposition team at home in the Champions League have 15 minutes of pressure <laughs> I'd still feel some fans want constant perfection and this was a, after we'd made about seven or eight changes and yeah I don't know I've been grumpy old man but I find it a bit tedious to be honest the standards we set for this team even though we know the standards are and should be sky high we can't expect to dominate every game can we and City turned it around after that and took control of the game again anyway so I don't know Am I being no, grumpy? I, no, I I agree. I think there's an expectation now where uh, you, we come up against a team like Young Boys, and some some parts of the fan base expect nothing less than five six nil victory, and that's just not how football works. You we're playing away in the Champions League, Young Boys full full crowd. You know they'll be massively up for it. They get to see some superstar players that they don't probably get to see week in, week out in the Swiss league. Um, they'll f- be fully behind the team. If young boys lose, they, they're not going to, they're not going to get any grief from the fans. They're not going to get any much grief from the media. So they can go out kind of guns blazing and they're always going to have that period. If, if we're being a bit sloppy or not at full tempo, then these kind of teams will, will, grab the game and we'll have a little bit of period where where they'll test you mm. and I think we saw that um, on Wednesday and I think in moments we were probably quite lucky about the, kind of the quality of their forward play wasn't up to scratch because if it was they, on another day we might have uh, we might have been punished in a couple of instances but Lloyd you said earlier Pep qualifies for the knockout stage surely <laughs> uh, for the seventh season on the bounce there's no real jeopardy left in the group stage anymore, but that also translates to intensity. We cannot expect the City players to be as, have the intensity away in a group stage match, having won the first two, that they would in, say, a knockout game away to Real Madrid. Ooh. So I felt, I felt the performance was perfectly how you would expect it to play out and perfectly acceptable and more so very good with all that in mind because he made changes plastic pitch chucking down did the job I don't know why we'd expect much more than that anyway I agree I I, I was you know like I say didn't see the game but I've watched the extended highlights and confused by some of the criticism I saw online in light of what looked to me like a you know, a very professional performance and one where we've essentially tied up the group now, haven't we? Um, mm. With the results of the other kind that of eight-point gap to third. So exactly. So, um, and I think actually Pep took a bit of a calculated risk by playing yeah. your Harlands and Rodries. 
And he's, and I actually think what Asan said on the preview, I kind of think the reverse is true. I think Pep took that risk and looked at it being a weak group and has gone, if we win tonight, it's basically done. Yeah. Well, more to the point, Derby Day meet. Um, this is not a criticism of Pep. Derby Day means less to him. Derby Day means three points to him. I'm sure he, under, of course, understands the importance of Derby Day. But nailing down the group is important to him because he's thinking about, well, the fourth game lies in between two important games as well and the fifth game and the sixth game. And he's looking at the wider mm. picture as always and looking at the nine-month schedule, not just thinking, right, we can throw this game and <laughs> be fresh for the, the derby. And it never works out anyway when you try and wrap players in cotton wool and do stuff like that. I think man- a lot of managers will tell you momentum's better and playing time is better and you take that risk. They can be... Injured at any point, we injured in training, injured at home. So, yeah. Uh, George, were you surprised that the divisive reactions, uh, the criticism revolved mostly around Kovacic and Nunes? Uh, I don't have to talk much about Rodri. He was absolutely brilliant as always. Uh, put some stats out on the review. And Rico Lewis, what can you say? Part of the furniture now, absolutely brilliant. But if there was criticism, it was at Kovacic and Nunes. We did you think that was deserved criticism or were you a bit surprised by that? I, I can see why some people, you know, with very high standards were were frustrated by their performances in parts. But I think the team that we put out and the system we played wasn't really set up to get the best out of them in those positions because obviously we had... Um, we had Rico Lewis tucking in next to Rodri and mm. then that meant Nunes and Kovacic were playing in the kind of... the the advanced midfield roles behind Haaland in a way where usually with this season we've been having Alvarez um, or Foden uh, playing those positions. And those, Alvarez and Foden are two players who really enjoy um, the kind of the progressing, Not they don't, they're not necessarily bothered about progress, progressing the play in the middle third like um, Kovacic and Nunes are. They're, they're more interested in kind of the final actions, getting into the box, sh- um, shots, assists, all that kind of stuff. Whereas Kovacic and Nunes, they they like to build build the play up, be part of setting the tempo. You saw it when Kovacic got the ball, even near the box, he wasn't really looking for the last pass or, or a shot. He was looking to just, keep recycling the ball, keep the tempo, bring other people in. So I think people's expectations maybe of them was thinking they needed to contribute in an attacking sense because of the positions they were playing, Mm. but that's kind of not the players they are. And um, also they're still new to the team and the system and they've they've not played many matches together um, so far this season. So I think we just have to give them time. and, And I think... We'll we'll see the best out of them when they're a little deeper in the pitch. When Kovacic is sitting deeper, we've seen him play really well this season. Nunes obviously has played a little less than Kovacic, and is probably uh, he's much more raw player because Kovacic has obviously been playing with uh, Inter Milan, Real Madrid, and Chelsea all his career. Whereas Nunes obviously was at um, was at Sporting, but then has been playing at Wolves in a very different systems to what City play now. So I think people probably need to cut them some slack and realise that Kovacic is a is a much more effective, a bit deeper, and Nunes were we're probably yet to see the best out of him because I think he's very much learning on his feet at the minute. What was the perceived problem of those two? Did they give the ball away a lot? Or? They did give it away a bit. I mean, I, early stages. I'm not making excuses. Uh, the plastic pitch did affect the game a bit for a while. I think uh, you saw it bouncing off players. The lot of players slipped. Uh, the docu chance 
I do feel for him a bit because he slipped completely. And to be honest, Alvarez did it the weekend and scored or, or got his shot completely wrong and somehow got it in the net. So, you know, he could still have scored Docker. Uh, the pitch was causing problems. It bounced off them. It might not have been a reason. They might have given the, the ball away anyway. Uh, yeah, they did give it away a bit, basically, but they weren't terrible performances or anything like that. But I guess it's, it's more the point that if a player who's been there and done it put in a performance like that, we wouldn't say much, but... Kovacic and Nunes have got got to prove it to the <laughs> to the fan base, Lloyd. If that makes sense, maybe they shouldn't have to, but they do in a way. I thought Kovacic was quietly mm. excellent until that Arsenal match. Uh, I think Nunes, we don't really know that he's coming, he's done all right, but we're not seeing great things. There used to be this, you know, this meme almost that players take a year to get used to pep football, but then loads have come in and hit the ground running that I think these two, I mean, they might never be brilliant. I don't, I'm not predicting the future Lloyd, but in a way they're not getting the patience that players might've done in the past. I guess with Kovacic, you know what you're getting because of his age. Whereas with Nunes, you could say that he's, he can learn stuff off pep and become a, a better player in his side. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's right. Um, I'm I'm pretty relaxed on Kovacic to be honest. I think I think we'll we've already seen good signs pre Arsenal, and I think I think he's low risk in the anyway investment really. So he is, and look, I think Pep will be able to take on elements of his game. But I'm yeah, I'm very relaxed on Kovacic. I think he will he will slowly become kind of a, a key player for us. Um, probably not in the in the same sense as someone like Gundogan, but you know maybe a, oh, a, yeah, tier, yeah. a tier below that. A good squad player, I think, is what I always yeah. thought he would be. You know, and that'd be fine. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, and then Nunes. Yeah, look, I'm still not convinced on Nunes. I was not a huge fan of that, um, mm. but it's it's just massively early days. And again, he's also shown good signs. Um, you know, I think the game at home against Forest, he, he played well. Um, so yeah, the fans do need to be. Um, patient because we've got to realise that now in Rodri we've got someone who is setting a new standard I think of kind of midfield play in that position and in a way for us to kind of mark the other guys against him is actually a bit unfair on them Um, because I don't think you know even Fernandinho got close to this level of what all round Rodri's being capable of of doing so that would be my two cents. George, just quickly on Nunes, it was mentioned on the review and it was mentioned a lot by people online, which perhaps you take a pinch of salt sometimes. Nunes's attitude, a lot of arms in the air, Bruno Fernandes type uh, hissy fits. Bruno Fernandes uses that in his performances, but at City, it's not something we really see. It's not something you probably want to see or really we're going over the top by thinking his attitude could be a problem. No, I, I understand why people will see it as a bit of a red flag because, like you say, we don't see it from a lot of the rest of the team. But I'm I'm not overly worried because he because he is very young and I think he's maybe not not happy with his start because he's probably very you know football players have have egos, don't they? And they want to be effective mm. from from the get go. And I think that those these gesticulations and frustrations are just a way of him just trying to signify that. Uh, this is not my this is not my standard. I know I can be better than this, and I think if it I think if it was a real issue uh, or it became a real problem, um, then Pep will, would act swiftly, as we saw with Cancelo, that 
if it would did seep into anything um more sinister than just frustration than then pep would 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 act so i i understand why people don't like to see it but he he's a young lad in a new team who's probably feels like he's got a lot to prove um to for in the first place because he moved to from wolf to city and then also a lot to prove because he probably believes in himself and his ability um so it's one of those things probably to keep an eye on it but i don't think we should really um really push down on him for it and Lloyd, you get perhaps the most difficult discussion. So Erling Haaland's penalty, which I don't think was brilliant, but it went in because he wellied it. So if it goes in, fair enough. Was the first in the Champions League for 543 minutes. Uh, he got two. In my mm. opinion, he should have had a third because the only reason, as we dis- Chris discussed on the review, that you could disallow that Alvarez goal was for a deliberate handball. Under the laws, there's not another criteria. Uh, though he might use gaining an advantage, but that's not in the laws of the game, and it wasn't a deliberate handball, and it didn't leave imme- didn't lead immediately to a chance because there were two passes after it. So Erling Haaland could easily have had an assist and two goals. He got two goals in the end, beautiful f- finish for the second, and yet, <laughs> and yet, there still seemed something not quite like last season. There is it acceptable to discuss that? The Premier League's leading goal scorer, the one who scored three goals this week, the one who's certainly got in the last two games been dropping back and doing a lot more build-up work. Mm. Is it all right to discuss the fact that there could still be something missing in his game? Yes, yeah, I mean it's definitely okay to discuss. And you know, I was someone that <clears throat> said that I think you know it, I think we can expect a bit more from from Haaland, kind of outside of his goal scoring, so his build-up, what he what he kind of does in terms of pinning defenders, um, helping him to get out of the pitch. But it is it it shows the standards of Erling Haaland that he scores two in a game and there's a conversation after the game about should he have scored more? I mean, hmm. he is, like Rodri, I think he is setting his own standard. I watched the uh, BT Sports kind of goal show after the game the highlights. Um, so that's 37 goals in 33 Champions League games now for Erling Haaland after not scoring for, what was it, 520 minutes? 43, I think I said, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, there you go. Uh, yeah, it, obviously he's not at peak kind of tr- uh, treble hat-trick scoring Haaland form yet, but I think this is probably the first game in this run where definitely that second goal and finish that's the first I think nod to maybe his form possibly coming back because that was that was a really nice finish and he unlike a lot of the times when he's got a chance to shoot on goal he chopped back off his left foot onto his right and killed it top in so I think he'll have taken a bit of confidence from that Mm. Yeah, 23 years old. He's only played 31 Champions League games, but he's in the top 20 all-time Champions League goal scorers. I think he's four behind Sergio Aguero. Uh, so yeah, Haaland, uh, 115 goals across his last 100 appearances. Uh, goal, yeah, directly involved. So 115 goal involvements are lost across his last 100 appearances. Not good enough. Just not good enough. So, so yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess the final thing to say, uh, someone uses an angle grinder behind me, so across the road, so apologies if you can hear that. At least it's not a leaf blower. Uh, George City have an eight-point gap to third. 
we wanted a couple of dead rubbers in this competition, in this group stage. We've kind of got two and a half now. You could see that sort of side playing the next, the return game against young boys as well, couldn't you? Definitely. I, th- I think um, in a couple of weeks when we play them at home, I think it'll be a, a very similar side, maybe a couple of changes, but equally as strong. Because then if we win that, it, it's all pretty much done and dusted. It will, well, it will be done and dusted. And then it's just a case of just making sure um, you finish top of the group um, to get through. It's 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 crazy how, how the shift we've seen in, in a decade of, you know, just been buzzing to be part of the group stage those first few years, you know, the games against Napoli, Villarreal and um, all that kind of stuff. And to now where you kind of, you go, it's almost like going through the motions, especially in the group stage when you don't have a, a, a real massive threat in your group, like we've maybe had in previous seasons. I do miss Mm. that in a a little way. Like I really enjoyed the, when we had PSG um, in the group a couple of years ago at home, that was when we went a goal down and we came back and won. It was a fantastic atmosphere in the ground. Um, And, you know, everybody's kind of excited for that fixture coming up in the early part of the season. So you do miss out on a bit of that. But at the same time, if you can get through to the knockouts um, unscathed, then that's the main thing really, isn't it? Yeah. 16, I think undefeated now. <laughs> Chavis was the Real Madrid the last, when we went out in the semi-final, the last defeat. That's just hard to, un- <laughs> yeah, hard to understand from uh, the City fan. The City I used to watch, basically. So it's still stunning achievement, isn't it, George, to be honest? Massively. When you when you put it like that, that we haven't lost since that, um, since that Real Madrid match. It's, it's crazy. And yeah. The, lo- the longer we can keep up that run, the more it will just continue to Im- impress everyone because I think we've got a real shot again this year as long as we stay injury-free and keep finding our way, playing our way, playing to our strengths and uh, as long as the star players are in form. There's not... I've, for, across watching the group stage so far, I've not been blown away by another side as of yet mm. in the Champions League from from viewing and that's... So yes, it's not even. I don't think it's a particularly arrogant thing to say at this point. I think we we go into the if go to the knockouts as as the favourites probably at this moment, which is a wild thing to say again. Yeah, that defeat was eight, over eighteen months ago. So <laughs> yeah, if there was one, George, as we just wrap up the first half, if there was one team you think right now is our main threat, which team would you say it is? One team, I think. It'd be interesting to see how this um, the Bellingham Real Madrid story goes. If he continues to have this Midas touch and keeps getting them over line, I think that will build up steam pretty quickly. Obviously, their history in the competition. Um, I think that will be a real story if in the knockouts they're still looking good. Um, and then another English team. I think. I think if Arsenal get through. I think that'll be a if I would hate to play them in a in a knockout game um, just because mm-hmm. of I hate playing the English another English team yeah. in the knockouts. It's not really gone well for us uh, so far. Um, but yeah, those are probably the the two teams that I've seen, and then probably in third place I put Bayern Munich because they're always kind of there or thereabouts, aren't they? Yeah. Right. That's Bayern for me. Back. I think. Bayern. All right. Mm, yeah, I think. With Kane going there, they've got a lot in in attack. They're not mm. great defensively, but um, Musiala, Sane, you know, Nabri, yeah. Kane, will, 
Oh, yeah, they've got the squad, but I'm just not sure Tuch has got it all together yet. But hey, as you say, you can say that about any team. No, no team is absolutely nailing it this season yet. I'd go for Real Madrid as an impulse decision at this early stage. So anyway, no point off. No looking back. Let's look forward. Uh, it's the derby, of course. Uh, another bizarre time, half three, Sunday afternoon. Right, let's talk about it. So... I'm going to get to media coverage. I've been sucked in, I'm afraid, in a minute. But just, no, no, I think we'll start with that. Uh, George, I shouldn't sink to the level of mentioning Ian Herbert's piece because it was so shitty. And you know a piece is that bad when opposition fans start piling in, which is your nod to like, yeah, this is really bad, bad opinion uh, piece. But, I mean, it really rankles when the, the... acts of a few individuals or you know an entire fan base is tarred with it a an article is made out of it and just like in 2008 the fans are literally found guilty of a crime they haven't yet committed and may never commit for something for an event that's not happened yet but we're kind of used to this coverage aren't we in derby week uh, we used to have paul skulls coming out you know and ex-players coming out and all the stuff just have to shrug our shoulders nowadays at this tedious routine in the lead up to matches or have we got a right to be angry do you think we've definitely got a right to be angry but um i don't think anybody from a city perspective should be shocked at what's happened over the last week um we know that we know the state of play. We know how you know a lot of the media covers City, and how there's a lot more United voices in the media, whether that be journalists or pundits in the studio. Um, so when the negative stories start to build, I don't think we should be too shocked, but we have a right to 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 be disgusted at some of the stuff that's being written, really, and people trying to tar the whole fan bases as these kind of unethical, um, jubilant in death, uh, someone's death uh, crowd, because, like you say, the actions of a few young young lads in the South Stand filming a little video on TikTok or something like that, from what I've seen, I think there was about four four of them singing it, and then... And then suddenly you leave the game. I mean, I left the game. I didn't hear a single from... I sit in the corner of the Colin Bell on the South Stand. I didn't hear a single chant about um, Bobby no. Charlton the entire... No, there wouldn't be, would there? No, yeah, they just the wouldn't ground. because... In the ground, there's no. No, there just wouldn't be. And I think and I think also, obviously, this stuff gets sung about opposition players and, and like derogatory things about people, but it's never really ever been about players from that era ever and you never hear kind of obviously the Munich stuff aside you never really hear targeted chants about some of the older players it's usually you know the chants about Giggs or Beckham or Rooney that's kind of the stuff that's you hear on in in the stands not about kind of English like legends especially players who've won the World Cup so so leaving the ground and seeing all these stories about City fans chanting I was just I was a bit enraged and and then these lads now, I think, have been. I think two of them have been banned, and it's been handed over to the police, which <laughs> I find <laughs> wild. Obviously, the club has the right to ban them if if they wish to. Yeah. But the fact the police have got involved because somebody's been singing a, a song about a person dying, I, I, I just, I don't. As 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 much as I, I wouldn't sing those songs, I don't see how you can criminally charge somebody for doing that. It just, yeah, well, it's, it's more baffling, to the point. Really. What's the point that? 
We don't even investigate shoplifting or burglaries anymore. Uh, no. I don't want to get political. Rape trials take about five years, and this has been referred to the police. It's just like, oh, my God. I mean, how far do you have to go? I mean, they'll get a slap on the wrist or nothing more, I would hope. But this is just wasting time now for, a little, yeah, a stupid and ill-advised and offensive ticked little chant in the concourse. It's like the fact it's, well, it's Derby Week, isn't it, Lloyd? Do, yeah. do you uh, shake all this stuff off now? Or the, you know, because they can <laughs> United used to see us plucky underdogs and I guess they're running out of things. I mean, as I said earlier in the week, Neil Ashton earns his cord, especially in, a, you know, he's a PR advisor to United now. Earns his cord in Derby Week. But to be honest, it's just a, diversion from the the football itself so doesn't really matter does it well diversion from the matters on the pitch of the two teams isn't it um mm. you know it, it helps united for there to be um this kind of discourse and this you know noise around around city i mean i echo all of what george said there there's not, there's not much else i would add um I, I think the only thing i would say is i've got i feel like i've now got to this stage as a fan where you know, given how sometimes City are portrayed in the media or, you know, some of the talking heads um, columns that, that are written about us, I saw that Ian Herbert piece and I went, you know what? I'm not a masochist, so I'm just not going to read it. Uh, and I, I'm i just trying to turn off some of this noise because it's just, it's just so boring. And, you know, I feel, I feel, I do feel like it's getting worse in terms of, uh, I want, I'm trying to kind of uh, separate like what's going on on the pitch and talking, you know, my interest is in talking about the game mainly and, um, you know, the City's performances and it's just, just, should we do that? And rubbish. Let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. One, one uh, final Lloyd, thing. Did you... I, yeah, go on, George. Yeah. One final thing I just want to add on this before we wrap it up is the danger that the media um, starts with, with these articles though is the more you treat people, and and uh, berate them and accuse them of doing these things uh, for constantly. Then you you get to the point where you almost get you make some parts of the fan base go. You know what? Sod this. I'm being I'm being accused of it. I'm just going to do it because we're getting tarnished with it. And then you I think you actually spur on more people to do mm. it than originally did it beforehand. And you just whip. It's just a, a whip whipping up hate and just this and and it's all in the hands of the media and this, I think this rise of tragedy chanting that you see in across maybe football and all this and stuff in the last kind of five, six years that we didn't really see loads of for the, for the previous five or six years is a lot of it is due to this whip up of hate on, in the media and social media where stuff, people are being accused of stuff they didn't do. And so they just start to just do it anyway, because they think sod this, well, I'm, I'm a villain either way. Mm. Just one final word from me, just almost as bad as that chanced itself, is a two-bit hack like Herbert using the death of a legendary footballer to demonise our whole fan base and use him, his death, tragic death, to create content. And it is like 2008 all over again, damn before the event, as I say. One uh, journalist said that there should be one policeman for every city away fan in the ground on that day to ensure that there was no trouble. And of course... City fans are impeccable and there's a minute's applause this Sunday anyway. So anyway, let's talk football, shall we? Uh, Lloyd, did you watch United against Copenhagen during the week? No. <laughs> I <didn't actually. laughs> well, I did Should because I, I, wa- 
I wanted to watch. No, I wanted to watch the Goal Show, but I couldn't get it because uh, on my app because they've moved to Discovery Plus or whatever. I don't know. Anyway, so I thought I'd put United on because apparently uh, I wouldn't normally go It was just background stuff. And George, I know you watched the second half, so you did see the worst of it. They were staggeringly crap in the first half. United, <laughs> staggeringly crap. Uh, you saw the second half, which probably puts a, a bit more gloss on it. What did you think of the? It's um, it it's so strange watching United at the moment and how dysfunctional they are as a side. Um, despite all the money they've spent, and it seems their signings, none of which are having a massive impact this year, and and also how how boring the football is to watch at times. I've seen a few United fans say that that this feels at the moment this feels like they're watching a the worst of the kind of the Mourinho Van Gaal era where there's not really much of a bite up front they're a bit shaky at the back and they just seem to just pass the ball sideways a bit and mm. and if you and you're looking at the team now 1 to 11 who I know there's they're often riddled with bias these uh, combined um combined 11s even taking a step back and looking at looking at it um, objectively, I just don't see which United player I would have in the City side at the moment, and that's a crazy thing to say about a multi-billion-pound team. Really, I think there's only two potential shouts. Maybe Fernandez with De Bruyne out, you might take him, but obviously, you know, all City fans hate him because he's a rat. Um, and I wouldn't like him to, you know, be our captain, like what he embodies on the pitch. And maybe Luke Shaw, if he was fit, you know, might play at left back for City because yeah, we don't really, we don't really I, have one. Yeah, I see the argument for Shaw because he's kind of that traditional left back, and he can also play the left of a three, which we we do a lot at the minute. The Fernandez one at the moment for me, I think he's got worse with the captaincy as a player. I think it is it's um fed into his kind of worst qualities on the pitch and um he was always in the ref's ear anyway and moaning and groaning and shouting at people but it's kind of intensified those elements of his game where he feels kind that's of, why he's been I'm, made captain yeah, yeah but 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 where he feels obliged I'm the captain I've got to be to the ref he's, he's in the ref's ear every time he's, he's shouting at people and I'm not really focusing on the the best parts of his game I, f- I found it a very strange choice when he was when he was made captain I know there wasn't there wasn't a, a plethora of options for United to, in on the captaincy front but I found it a pretty strange choice and I, I just think that it's it's almost become a distraction for him and that player that they had the first couple of years where he was just a constant threat despite you know I hate, hate to say it because like, like Lloyd said I'm one of the city part of the city fan base that hates his guts um, very irrationally most of the time but um but he was a real threat, creating, scoring, and at the moment he just seems distracted. But I think distracted is the word I'd use to describe a lot of this United team and the manager as well. So Lloyd, let's get to the crux of this. We all know deep down we should spank them, mm. but but will Pep be cautious due to fear of the speedy counter-attacks that United did show some ability for in the second half against Copenhagen and in the past, of course? No, I don't think no. so. No, I think Pep. I, I I think this feels like a bit of a sliding doors is probably the wrong word to use or phrase because you know what does Pep have to prove really? Um, 
in terms of you know management games against United he's got plenty of wins etc but I do feel like there is a bit of a pattern emerging recently and I'd say it's in the last couple of years as a manager where he has been very circumspect in our approach in big games away from home and I think actually it's damaged us so United last season Hmm. uh, Liverpool Anfield last season the Emirates this season you know the, the the super annoying thing about, for example, Anfield last season is similar to United right now. Liverpool were in a massive funk at that time. And it, mm. I, I do just feel if we'd have gone for them, we'd have probably torn them apart. Yeah, we might have conceded, but who cares? We can score more than them. And United are in a similar, very similar position to what Liverpool were back then. Yeah, I know they got, they've scrambled over the line with two absolutely shit wins in in games when Harry Maguire, their fifth choice centre-back, has got one man of the match twice. Um, Pep should be going for the throat on Sunday. Should? He sh- Willie, Willie. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, to be honest, I, I think recent precedent would suggest probably not. Um, and actually, mm. he'll be a bit more circumspect. I really yeah. think that I really think that will be the wrong approach. And I would be quite frustrated actually, and if that happens, and I think you, it'll be borne out by team selection as well. So, for me, Doku absolutely has to play, um, and I expect it'll be Grealish, but I think that's the wrong move, and I think it's, it sends the wrong signal as well to the players. Hmm, George, what do you think? I mean, I, I agree. I agree on the team just selection. just very briefly, just very briefly. Sorry, yeah, I know it's a t- it's awful penalty, but how on earth did we already beaten by one goal? in the cup final, you know, where we're supposedly so superior. How last season, yes, we were 1-0 up and comfortable, but had we played well before then? Not really. So the precedent is there that we want him to go out there, be bold and think, well, with our forward line, we should absolutely spank them and their injuries. But I'm just not convinced we will. I think, I think not not result-wise, but just... The feet, how the game plays out. I feel history may repeat itself. Yeah, we definitely uh, in the big games um, in the in the recent seasons. We against the big teams, we don't go for the jugular. We, we, Pep is very happy at one nil. He even if there's opportunities for us to kill off a game, if we've got a one goal lead, he's especially in the last couple of seasons, he's more than happy with that, and. He's willing to, especially away from home, he's willing to sit back and then, but the problem is if you do sit back and away from home, you invite the home team onto you and even a team who are kind of all over the show like United at the moment, if you invite them onto us too much, then they, they'll be able to cr- cause a few problems because it's a derby and they're at home and the fans will be up for it. But I think the team selection will be the big signifier of, of the way um, Pep wants to treat this game. Like Lloyd says, I think if Doku starts... I think that's us saying we're going for it. Mm. And Do you we, think you we will? see a weak we see a weakness. I, I think it's criminal if he doesn't because of how well he's played against Brighton and he, he you know he looked sharp again in moments um against young boys and the way he's been formized, I think it would be really harsh to drop him. But I'm I'm pretty fifty fifty split that um he in terms of if he will start or not. I couldn't I couldn't confidently say that he will because I think Grealish playing well the other night and also the fact that in the big games um last season Pep never verged away from um Grealish and Bernardo. Um, and, and he I scored think, there. Yeah. Yeah, he scored there. 
And unfortunately for him, it should have been a much bigger goal than it was because of that that mm. Fernandez goal that we won't uh, speak too much on because it'll just get us all riled up again. Um, but I think, yeah, I, th- I think it's 50-50 Grealish and Doku and you know maybe they could both start but I, I don't really see I think it will definitely be one or the other on Sunday yeah uh, on the plus side of it Doku not starting I'd love to see him have 20 minutes at the end <laughs> running yeah. at their defence so well, that depends on a lot of factors I guess the state of the game yeah. and that sort of thing when the game's stretched I'd love to see him in the channel next to Harry Maguire but with his pace um, yeah that, let's that see him from minute one sight. let's see yeah, no, no, I mean, I'm just saying, if he doesn't, then I, at the very least, would like to see him have 20 minutes against tiring legs if he doesn't start. So I'd rather see him. I'd be pretty annoyed if he doesn't make it on the pitch. Yeah. Oh, I know, but I'm just saying, ifs. Yeah. Yeah, I I just, I really think it'd be, I really, really think it would be a bad move from Pep. And they've got fucking Dallow at right back at the moment. Doku will be able to tear him a new one. Uh, He should 100% Hmm. be starting. Yeah. But do you, George, do you. Do you understand the caution about the counter-attack? Because you did see it in that second half. It is their only weapon in a way. It's what... Ted Hag will set them up, sit deep, look at counter-attack. That will be his tactic. We know now that's all he's got. So if you were manager, would you be would you have to be brave enough to be bold and say, we're going to have a high line and be exposed potentially and go for it? Or do you understand at all why Pep might be circumspect? I understand having a reserved approach to it because they are quick with the likes of Rashford and Hoyland is is pretty quick if he starts, but they, they're not exactly potent at the minute, that counter-attack. And also one of their most threatening players I've that from what I've watched of United in the last couple of years is Garnaccio. And mm. he doesn't start for, for whatever reason. He... Ten Hag doesn't want to play him on the right ever, even though he's young and he's fairly quick and he's hungry, so I'm sure he'd do a job out there. He only ever seems to bring him on um, for Rashford and then in the week he moved Rashford, they moved Rashford across rather than um, rather than uh, playing Garnacho on the right. So I think if Garnacho and Rashford were starting with and they had a, a, a strike through the middle that was threatening, I think we we would be right to be really reserved, but... Even though they're a quick counter attack, I don't think we should we should be terrified of it because we, we saw it against Copenhagen. They they hit them on the twice on the counter attack, but they fluffed the lines. Rashford did and Garnacho himself, where chances were which they should have bagged, but they just don't have that yeah, that biting edge at the minute. We so. don't want to be giving them chances though, because they no, might not you, fluff them against us. You don't want to be giving them chances for sure, but I don't think we should tailor our our game. Solely on that threat, I think we should be wary mm. of it, and I think picking players like Walker and Guavidal um, will will counter that because they're both very quick at the back, and um, their pace can hopefully keep up with United's attackers. But I would hate to see, see us change the way we play just solely based on United's counter attacks. I think we should just play our game, be wary of it, but play our game because we're just so much better than them at the moment. So Lloyd, Doku or Grealish. That's one spot, Edison in net. Have you mm-hmm. got a fair idea in your head what the other nine will be? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think so. I think the team should be Edison, Walker, Stones, Diaz, Gvardiol, Rodri, mm-hmm. Bernardo, Alvarez, and then Foden, Doku, and Haaland. That's what I think we should do. Spot on. 
I'll be happy with that. I think Pep will play Grealish. I think that's probably the only alteration. Um, I don't really see Ake playing because he's not been in great form. Guardiola's been brilliant. Despite how good Lewis has been, now Stones is back. I think you just play Stones. Um, So I think the rest of the team picks itself. Bernardo plays, Alvarez plays. I would expect that Foden plays. I think it would be a surprise if he doesn't. So I think that's the team. And to go back to your point about counter-attacks, well, that's Rodri and Stones' job to control those counter-attacks. It's not Jeremy Doku or Jack Grealish's job. So let's be front foot and let's you know rely on our back five, which we all think is brilliant and we're all very content with, and give our attackers the best platform to, to go and tear them to absolute shreds. George, to disagree with any of that team selection? No, that, that team is... What I exactly what I would pick as well, mm. and I agree that this the only thing is it's more likely um, that Grealish will play than Doku at this point. As Lloyd says, uh, Gvardiol has had a great great last few games, and Ake is is not been at his best. So I think that ties up that left um, kind of left back, left centre back position. I think the only other thing that could be a surprise to well not not a surprise but could be something different to what Lloyd named is kind of what you alluded to I think there, there could be a world where Rico Lewis starts I mean he started against Arsenal but the away but there was there was no Rodri in that so it was a little different but I think Pep obviously does love him and rate him so there is a chance he plays but I think if he Who goes play, out then yeah if he were to play it would be I think it would be Foden but I don't see him dropping Foden, nor should he drop Foden at this point. Or Bernardo, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think... I think, I think Bernardo, Bernardo is, lo- He loves think Bernardo, Derby Day. <laughs> yeah, he, he loves it, and also he's probably one of our most crucial players in, in that midfield, just knowing the knowing exactly the roles. If we're, Even if he's playing centrally on the right, he knows exactly what Pep wants all the time, and he, he keeps us ticking over, and I think when he's not playing in the big games, we notice it massively. Yeah, you confident, George? Though? Well, I'm confident now, and as I said, and as I said it right at the start, I'm coming into it from a place of contentment. But when Sunday arrives, I'll be a bag of nerves and horrible to be around. I'm sure. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking two-one City is is how is kind of how I'm. I'm that's where my confidence is sitting. But yep. when Sunday comes, yeah, I'll, I'll be a bag of nerves. I'm going two on City. Uh, Lloyd, same question for you. Are you confident? Yeah, I, I am confident. Despite the you know, despite the fact that I'm concerned about the way Pep's going to approach it, I still think slightly cautious City is should still wipe the floor with United in their current mm. form. Um, my concern is that it just opens the game up to them a bit more and plays into their hands when I don't think you need to. Um, I think we could go out and really try and you know attack them hard so it'll be a clean it's going to be a clean sweep of two ones because i that's that's what i think as well i can't mm-hmm. see us keeping a clean sheet in our current mm. form defensively okay. and i guess the one final point is we do have options on the bench now well george i guess use of subs could be crucial in this game yeah hopefully not <laughs> so yes <laughs> maybe for turning the screw then lloyd it'd be crucial yeah, I mean, it depends on the lineup, doesn't it? Right. So, um, if if he starts Doku, then Grealish is probably your only like attacker coming off the bench. Um, mm. If to protect a lead, yeah, 
you want Grealish on, don't you? You do. Because that is when you want to keep the ball. So, And Doku is probably, it's, he is your best option to have off the bench because he's so, he's so different to every other player in our squad that hmm. to bring someone like that on does completely change the pace of the game. Whereas if you bring Grealish on, you kind of look into, you know, unless we're a goal down and we have to bring Grealish on just because we need to change it. Generally, Grealish is looking to stabilise the game, stabilise kind of City's approach. Um, but yeah, hopefully the subs don't, don't need to be called upon too much. Because mm. Pep doesn't use subs when he's happy, so maybe <laughs> when he's happy with how it's going, even if we see it differently. So yeah, in a way, I hope he doesn't use subs. Right, time has defeated us. Just finally one quick quiz question then. Pep's had 19 derbies. Since he's come to City, what do you think his record is? Wins, draws, losses? Um, George? I'm going to go... Has he has he lost about six? And drawn two and then won the rest? Won the, so that's oh, be 11 tw- wins, two draws and that's it. 11 to six. six, you've gone yeah. for it, Lloyd. Yeah, I'll go. I think, I think he's won slightly less. Um, <laughs> I think it'll be 10 3 6. You're both really close, but wrong. Yeah, it's 10 to 7. Won 10, drawn 2, lost 7. Mm. Should be so much better, shouldn't it? But hey, yeah. it's Derby Day. Exactly. United's, United's record against us 15 years ago should have been a hell of a lot better, but it wasn't yeah. always. So. Sven, Sven but, Goran Eriksson did the double over the, the Champions League winning United side. So, you know, Derby Day, anything happens, doesn't it? Indeed. Especially when the match officials are on your side. But <laughs> let's not think about that, right? We have run out of time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the countdown is on to uh, Derby Day. George, thank you very much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Oh, cheers, Howard. Cheers, Lloyd. Yeah. Lloyd, thank you very much. Cheers, boys. That's a wrap. Here's hoping the plucky underdogs do not prevail at Old Trafford. Uh, Let's hope we all have a great weekend, all of us. Take care, and as always, up the blues.